Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to episode 65 of the Thread Podcast. I'd like to give a big shout out to all our listeners in the Middle East and South Africa, actually all over the world. We're starting to have people tune in, and I want to give a very special Hello to my daughter, Kristen, who's listening in South Korea, where she's gone to teach English at a school. Love you, Chris. Uh, Paul Richardson, I want to say thanks to you, Paul Richardson, Path of Palms, for the great intro that he did for the show. Appreciate that, Paul. It's a labor of love. Today's thread is about the need for leadership. You know, there's a natural hesitancy that most of us feel at stepping into a leadership role because we realize that it's, you know, it's a big thing. Sometimes you're asked to step into the role, and other times you just see the big vacant spot, and uh, no one's leading, and you realize that someone has to, and something in you says that you're the one. You know, throughout the Bible, a lot of the great leaders started out their leadership with a real hesitancy, like Moses. You know, when God called Moses, Moses said, oh, no, please, not me. I'm going to have to stand in front of people and speak, and I'm really not good at that. So don't let your fears keep you from stepping into your destiny. So if you don't have your Bible, run get it. We're in Acts chapter 1. We'll be right back for this week's thread. All right, we're back. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 15. It says, In those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names were about 120. Peter stood up. Now, this is an important verse. This group of 120 people, were they were gathered in community to seek God together and walk with God together. But every movement, in order to, to go forward, every movement needs one central leader. And Peter, that day, chose to stop being just one of the boys and accept the role of leadership that God was handing to him. And Peter standing up, that opens the first major section of this book, the period of Peter's formal leadership in the early church. You know, he had a um, kind of a rough start in the Gospels. Peter keeps on his own. Sometimes he wants to be the leader, and he pushes, you know, and then Jesus has to push him back in place because Peter has a lot of of uh, needs to be important and Peter needs to be right and Peter's opinionated and none of those things are part of Christian leadership. They were polluting the leadership that God had called Peter into. So uh, as much as Jesus saw the senior leader, he understood from the beginning that Peter was going to be the next leader. He said it in front of the other disciples. They knew uh, the role that Peter had in their in their circle, but uh, Peter had some things personally he had to work out, and God was uh, very gracious to give him the grace of failure, and Peter was totally humiliated. You know, the peak of his of his pride as a as a young leader was when he rebuked Jesus you know, for when Jesus was talking about the impending crucifixion that he was going to face, and Peter rebuked him, and Jesus saw the effect it had on the disciples, and he rebuked Peter back. 
and said, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not on God's things. You are thinking like a man. You're focused on the things of man. And then we know Peter denied the Lord, totally humiliated, uh, and he carried that with him for the rest of his life, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure that although he forgave himself and he knew the Lord had forgiven him, still, you know, anybody that's ever uh, taken seriously responsibility for their own behavior, you know there are things you've done and you just hate it. It comes back to you every now and then. You just have to thank God for letting you walk away from it. But in this case, Peter understands Jesus has reinstated him as leader after the resurrection, and Peter knows that God has called him and he is going to have to stand up. Now, although Peter was an apostle in his function, Uh, Peter and everybody else in that room rightly understood that really, essentially, Peter was still primarily a disciple of Jesus Christ. This was his core calling. All of us are in that situation. None of us have a a special pass as it relates to being a disciple. You know, like when you become a leader, you become a person of privilege. Um, that's not part of New Testament thinking. Peter was a disciple, bound to live as a disciple lives according to the ways of the Lord. And even this position of leadership, you know, I got a lot of help from the bishop who uh, was there for my ordination, and his name was Guy Notis. He was a Jamaican, and he gave me some really good advice, not just me, but all the men there that day. He said, never step up into a position of uh, responsibility. He said, never do it. Don't ever step up to be an overseer. Don't step up um, to take a higher role because later you have to step down from those positions. He said, just step into those roles and then you can step out of those roles and you won't feel the loss inside your heart. And I thought that was really good biblical understanding about leadership. There are different roles that God needs us to fulfill. Most of those roles don't go on for a lifetime. You have your season, that that's your, that's your role and that's your position. A lot of times these positions wear you out. Uh, you just can't effectively function in them forever. You know, you're going to come to like a tube of toothpaste. You know, there's a day when you're used up and you're just tired. Now, it doesn't mean there's not another role for you, but maybe not that one because it just is too heavy a load for anybody to bear for forever. So, um, you know, we don't have to think of ourselves as being promoted or demoted in leadership in the kingdom of God. You just take the role that God has called you into for this season, and then you give it up later. So on this day, Peter stood up, and he stood up um, to have his very first action as the senior leader in the group, and he made a He had a little speech, and here's what it was, verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us, and he obtained a part in this ministry. Now look down at verse 20b. And he quotes a scripture in the book of Psalms, and that scripture says, let another take his office. So Peter says, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out from among us, beginning at the baptism of John to the day when he was taken away from us, one of these men must become a witness with us of his resurrection. 
Uh, Peter's first action as a leader, if you notice it, was to honor Scripture and to bind himself to obey it, to remind the group of their need to obey the Scripture. And Peter saw uh, that everything related to Jesus was bound by prophecies, hundreds of years old, sometimes thousands of years old prophecies that God had given in the ancient times, and these prophecies had to be fulfilled. And they were prophecies about Messiah's death and abandonment. They were prophecies about Messiah being uh, betrayed. And there were prophecies about the ministry and about the vacate the vacating of a place in the ministry. And as Peter saw in the Psalms in verse 20, the verse that said, let another take his office. So Peter says, I want you to know that I'm going to honor Scripture and I bind myself to obey it. We need to obey the Scripture and let another person take Judas's office, his place among us. Peter considered continuation of the Jesus ministry and the integrity and the wholeness of this inner circle as the most urgent matter facing this little group. There was a hole in the circle, and it had to be repaired before they could move forward as a group. You know, Jesus, um, he had ministry on many different levels. He had his big public ministry where thousands of people came, and the disciples were often really, um, well, they got into that. They loved the thought, you know, the big crowds and big, and everybody likes big. But if you watch Jesus, he, I mean, he, he does that. He knows there's a, there's a need for it as a movement leader. You need the big rally, but he was not uh, optimistic about the huge fruit of big rallies. You know, mainly you do the big rally to fish, and somewhere in that big pool of humanity, there are some who have a, a genuine hunger and thirst for God, and they come forward, and then you get to know them. And that seems to be where the real daily ministry of Jesus was with the, not just his 12, that was his inner circle. I mean, he had lots of circles. He had three, Peter, James, and John, with him every day, all day long. Then the 12 who went, they were part of that group. Uh, but not just them. There were others up to, you know, he had 70 that he could send out as preachers. We know there's a stage where he has 500 who are there when he ascends to heaven. So, you know, he's got these ministry circles, and Peter understands that the integrity of these circles, that that's what Jesus put all of his energy into on a daily basis, and that they had to do the same. So they had to fix this hole. They had this gap in their circle, and it needed to be replaced. In verse 17, he said that Judas had a part in this ministry. And I think that's important, too. For us to understand how the early church saw ministry. He didn't say Judas had a ministry of his own. Judas worldwide ministries. You know, I've seen this all over the place where people, it's your name plus some big glorified title, uh, and it's you and your ministry. And that's really not so much how the early church saw ministry. They saw that there's one ministry, and it's it's not even ours. It's Jesus' ministry, it's Christ's ministry. And we're all trusted to enter Christ's own continuing ministry. He's still alive, and he's still doing his ministry, but he does it through us now. We become his representatives on the earth. We're all trusted to enter it, uh, this ministry to heal, this ministry to save the world, 
one life at a time. It's been entrusted, and we each have a part to play in Christ's one ministry. This one ministry is shared among the men and women and young people of the one church that follows Jesus Christ, and that Judas would betray first the Lord, then the ministry. You know, Peter and this this circle, Jesus had taught them to see the ministry as a high, holy thing, as an honor, and you kept high standards because of the ministry. It didn't get you privileged. I mean, it might lead to your death, but that's what made it even more noble, is that you were one of God's called voices, and that Judas would betray the Lord, it's the worst, betray the ministry, and betray the church. That was a deep heart wound to them. His actions had come down upon his own head, and that's in verse 18 and 19, talks about the way he died and the money he got from uh, selling out Jesus, that they used it to buy a, a field for outcasts to be buried in, and he was the first. You know, he had gotten what he deserved for selling out Jesus to make money. And you make, you know, be sure that you're never part of a ministry that is focused on personal profit from the ministry, because that's what happened to Judas. He started trying to make money out of Christ's ministry. Verse 25 says, Judas fell by transgression. That's an interesting word. Judas fell from his ministry, from his role, from his connectedness to Christ. He fell by transgression. The Greek Greek word is uh, parabaino, and it means to abandon trust. Something eroded in Judas day by day. He wasn't spending time in love with the Lord. He wasn't, this wasn't a heart matter for him. Somehow it became a job. It became a burden. He became uh, dishonest along the way. Money got into his heart. We know the scripture says he started stealing uh, petty cash and it, it changed. His heart changed toward the Lord. He eroded inside, and it brought him ultimately to a point of deciding one day to abandon his relationship with Christ, to abandon the ministry, to abandon the brothers and go his own way. And so he does this action where he goes to the priests and betrays the Lord. Peter proposes that a new number 12 has to be chosen. I think it's it's also pretty important how the early church saw filling a ministry position and how they decided who would get it. That's pretty important. You know, first of all, in verses 21 through 24, which I already read, Peter lays down requirements in keeping with the role. He says, these people have to have been with us from the very beginning, the very, very beginning, from the baptism of John all the way to the end. Because the main role of the number 12, the main role of these apostles, is to be a living witness. We are here to prove the truth about Jesus the Messiah. We are here to prove the truth about his resurrection by demonstrating his powerful kingdom gospel ministry and setting people free from their bondage everywhere we go. That's our job. We are living witnesses to the truth about Jesus and the supernatural power that he has brought to the earth. 
something that's interesting is verse 14 says that the brothers of Jesus were there in the crowd, but they were excluded from apostleship. When Peter laid that rule down, that immediately took them out of consideration. Nepotism had no place in the early church. There was nobody in the room that said, but wait, shouldn't Jesus' own family take up the ministry after him? Well, you that's, a, that's up to God, and that's about faithfulness. And these guys had only entered the church you know, weeks before this. They had not believed in Jesus until after his resurrection, and they were not fit to be in the ministry. They needed to grow. They needed to learn. And later on, one of the half-brothers of Jesus, James, would become the senior leader among the church people, but it wasn't time for that now. And Peter, you know, he excludes them. No one there questions that exclusion. Another thing that we notice, the way Peter goes about telling them to choose, it helps us understand something about ministry leadership, and that is that a ministry leader has to have two callings. You know, first of all, the leader has to be called and chosen by God. We, you know, we always accept that. But secondly, this leader has to be acceptable to the people. You know, it can't be that you've got an abrasive, uh, someone that just doesn't seem to like people, but he says, God has called me, therefore I will lead. Um, people that God calls to lead individual, you know, if God's going to call you to lead people, you have to have people skills. He will give you a way with people that they will trust you and love you and want to follow you. So Peter says, okay. Let's understand we have to keep both of those things in balance. So we're going to use our, our best discernment, and let's choose two, two men in this group who have always been part of our ministry circle. They weren't apostles, but they've always been with us, and we see grace in their life. We see leadership. We would be willing to follow either one of these brothers. And then uh, they cast lots in verse 26. Uh, basically flip a coin and say, okay, this side it's Joseph and that side it's Matthias. And they just said, Lord, let it be up to you because you know, verse 24, you know the hearts of all people and you know who you have chosen. And we don't propose to know the mind of God completely, but these are the two best men that we know of in our group. We see consistency in their life. We're happy to have either one of them as a leader because they've proven themselves. So, Lord, you choose. They flipped the coin. They had their own way to do that. And the role fell to Matthias. And with that, Matthias began his role as the 12th apostle, the 12th representative of Jesus. So when God calls you to lead, remember that you have to stand up and lead. You're just going to have to step out of the crowd and be willing to take that role on you. It'll be a blessing to you. Secondly, Remember that you're a witness and a disciple. That's your primary calling. You're not a privileged person. You're not the ruler over God's people. Number three, as you lead, keep the trust. Keep the trust that's committed to you by the Lord, by the brothers and sisters who put you in that role, and hold the ministry as a high thing and an honorable thing. Don't do anything anything that would bring a disrepute on the Lord's ministry because through this ministry, he brings salvation to people all over the world. That's all for this thread. If you'd like to contact me, just email me directly, chuck at quinley.com.
Thread.com. God bless. Until next time. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to Quinley.com. Thread.